Howdy gang, uh, welcome, 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 my name's Imran, thanks very much for tuning in to Forever in Electric Dreams, uh, dot com. Uh, kind of a weird episode for me to set up at this point, um, I have, I do have the distinction of being able to set it up with immeasurable uh, excitement, um, but what you're about to hear was supposed to be, it was initially recorded as a conversation between myself and Vahe uh, from Melbourne, Australia, who you would have heard on past episodes. Um, we discussed uh, Thor um, and love Thor, Love and Thunder, and we also had an episode discussing the IDW uh, publication of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin. So this episode that you're about to hear was to be another episode uh, in the Close Encounters minicast series where we discuss another of the IDW Ninja Turtles series, uh, Shredder in Hell. Uh, so we recorded it under the premise that that's what this was going to be used for however after having another blast of an episode um which is just so much fun to kind of just to hang with him uh i think by the end of it i reached out and said hey do you kind of want to do something a bit more official you know through the site and thankfully he was uh also enthused about the idea which is what this episode has now become so this isn't another close encounters episode and this is sort of the official uh, kind of debut episode, so to speak, of uh, Supple and Lead, a geek cast. It gives me great pleasure <laughs> to be able to announce that. Um, I don't want to set up the whole series too much now. I think that's something we should do together. So on our next episode, which will be, you know, a recording to support them and also to introduce, I think, what we would like to do with this series. Um, so I won't set this up too much. I'll I will let um, you know. I'd say we'll do that together um, uh, next time. But for the, for this episode. Um, we are discussing Shredder in Hell and IDW's amazing uh, Ninja Turtles series um, that is is kind of a, it's sort of recent for us to kind of get into it and kind of explore their take on the uh, mythology of the Ninja Turtles and um, how they've adapted it in, in, in really like incredibly well in 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 the vast majority of cases so yeah if you've never heard of you know i think i say in the actual episodes if you're a ninja turtle fan and the words shredder in hell don't captivate you from the outset then this may not be for you but i think if it does then uh yes this is certainly for you um regarding uh i think there is a supple and lean we'll, we'll describe the name we'll explain the name next time as well i think there is a supple and lean reference in our in our conversation as well so uh yeah the name has been gestating for a while and it's awesome to be able to have a put a home to it um i also you'll you would have noticed from our cold opener of no theme song because uh, I'm, I'm sitting on on the most amazing piece of news uh, so when you know I reached out and said hey do you want to do something more official not only did V uh, sort of jump at the chance he also said I'm going to start work on a theme song right now and about know, three days I think later he wrote recorded performed and composed arguably the greatest song i've ever heard as our theme song and let me rephrase that he wrote recorded performed and composed a four minute theme song for uh supplement lean's geek cast which i am mind blown and you know if if you work with you want to work with someone and they um respond and create a theme song in 
<laughs> in support of the project, then absolutely grab that person and never let them go. Uh, Vahe's immeasurable genius is something I've touted for, for a very long time. So uh, it's and it's wonderful for us to have another avenue uh, outside of Blue and Green Radio um, and uh, sort of here. So we've been music kind of cohorts for a really long time and uh, sort of to connect over geekdom uh, and for it to find a home on Forever and Electric Dreams is, is going to be awesome. So uh, stay tuned for future episodes. I've talked a long time. I apologize. We'll go straight into our theme song, uh, which I'm still pinching myself is an actual thing I get to say. Um, but he, he's, he's a genius. And then from there, uh, we'll go straight into our discussion about Shredder in Hell. So thank you very much for tuning in. Please keep uh, uh, your eyes peeled on foreverandelectricdreams.com, not just for future episodes for uh, via the, the podcast network, but also on uh, Supplin' Lean, a Geekcast. And without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I get to announce our absolute, uh, our with great excitement, our debut, our launch episode of Supple and Lean, a Geekcast. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now tuned into the sounds of MC Supple and DJ Lean. Broadcasting live from the Slag Heap. We're about to get our geek on and sing a funky little song. Check it. Hey yo, I'm Supple, he's Lean, and we're on the scene. We be geeking out over all the things that be moving us. Like a show or a film with a lick of bug, we get into the zone. I'm on the microphone. Never leaving my rare thoughts alone Cause in the age of info, I'm the nympho Talking it out through a black window Casting my part of seeds into the ether With a supple hand and a fistful of beans Don't forget me, the MC lean Fuck around, I pull out your spleen Sometimes we're cool, other times we're mean But baby, either way, we'll break down your scene We're fiending, like a celebrity drug binge I'm weaning, off of all of this crapness We got the hats on the latest tracks And the fattest books and the coolest flicks So much art, it'll make the screen Go on, listen to our theme Rolling deep in the slag heap And we're gonna find some cool shit to talk about uh, To wax about Ain't got time to sleep But on the cheap We'll keep it straight Cause we know what we're talking about It ain't for cloud Cause we're geeking Geeking on the floor tonight it's right Just keep geeking Speaking on the matters of the heart Alright Yeah Keep it tight Just stay geeking Geeking on the floor tonight Yeah Know it's right Just keep geeking Speaking on matters of the heart Alright Creative arts, they can bruise the softest hearts with the mind to ooze. Need a solid state mind rhyme. There's a fine line between art and poop. Everybody wants to go so far without ever realizing who they are on the inside. That's where you'll find the purest hearts and the strongest minds. Like supple and lean with the geek and team that reigns supreme. You better turn on your high beams, cause you won't see us coming in the thick of the night. We be geeking out and then we wanna fight sometimes. But we see ain't all that 
that jazz Arts in decline, chasing those fads Breaking in dollars, but who's gonna holler When you move with tanks, cause you ain't got no damn scholars We find it best to address all our quibbles and qualms Through the feel-good vibes of the song But for the rest of it, keep it dub slit Cause your favorite shit, we're reviewing it Rolling deep in the slack heat And we're gonna find some cool shit to talk about to wax about Ain't got time to sleep But on the cheap We'll keep it straight Cause we know what we're talking about It ain't for cloud Cause we're geeking Geeking on the floor tonight You know it's right Just keep geeking Speaking on the matters of the heart Alright Keep it tight Just stay geeking Geeking on the floor tonight You know it's right Just keep geeking Speaking on matters of the heart Alright Keep it tight seen <laughs> in this you <laughs> must never lapse even those who would be our allies would not understand our domain is the shadow stray from it reluctantly for when you do you must strike hard and fade away without a trace <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I nearly interjected. Thank God I didn't, but I nearly interjected with with the words, "I lost the sign." <laughs> then it is gone. It is gone. <laughs> but I can get it back. I can get it back. <laughs> Raphael, let it go. <laughs> so even the like that that was pretty spot on, right? That was like that was perfect. You know what I mean? Like it even the perfect. intonation, the the pauses, the way he spoke. Yes. I've heard it so many times that it's yeah. it's been. I'm telling you, the gold standard of anything I do creative, creatively, ste- a lot of it stems from that fucking movie, man. I know we I covered it a movie. lot, but and you know, I, I know we're talking sort of quotes now, but I guess I've been in a, obviously a shred ahead mm. um, for the last few days. You know, reading all this stuff and trying God. to go through other elements of law. Do you know the one quote? I didn't watch it, but mm. the one what i've always i've now learned is my definitive shred, my definitive shredder quote mm. let's see if you can id this one babies they are babies <laughs> yeah 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 that's uh from the cartoon no, no sorry no, no, no. sorry sorry it's um secret of the ooze which is fucking secret hilarious that you mention it because i was just gonna suggest as part of this review that we're doing um Perhaps because we've covered movie one a lot, do we want to delve into maybe movie two and three a little bit? Um, yeah. Just generally. What, now or separately? Oh, like se- whenever, like whatever the flow Yeah, dictates. absolutely. Like we'll do whatever. 
like I, I figured we'd cover a few things yeah sure i mean my biggest disgruntlement about number two was obviously the removal of the illegal uk nunchucks which we've discussed <laughs> previously and we see michelangelo with sausages and a yo-yo Good in place Lord. but um yes <laughs> but the, I've, it was I've the heavy heavy editing though yeah you're right that wasn't just because of the uk weird nunchuck fetish mm. shit that was i still don't <laughs> understand but that was that was uh across the board like that was just in response to how gritty and dark the original was yeah. And there was such an outcry from like parental groups and and um, I guess maybe religious groups. I don't know, like really like conservative groups, who um, actually made quite a bit of noise about that first movie yeah. um, because it because it was preceded with the kid friendly cartoon. So you know, mm. which obviously none of the parents realized was based on a gritty, fucking violent, dark uh, comic book yes. from nineteen. Yeah. Fucking, which will I will clarify. It is from 1984. I know we were questioning oh, okay. that originally. Yes, but we were. Yeah, I, was, yeah. I started questioning myself. I'm like, no, I know this. But it was 84. <laughs> like, they even actually right. started designing the characters in, like, 82 or 83. Wow. Eastman and Laird, um, just in their, in their fucking rooms. They came up with the random concepts. Um, they got a loan from their uncle for, like, 6000 bucks to print and, and oh, distribute wow. the original uh, one issue, which is just going to be a one-shot comic. Um, about them, you know, their first mission, uh, mm. avenging their master and killing Shredder. So that's the Shred. Wow. Okay, that's the yeah. Shredder story. Yeah. But I think the, you were quoting like <clears throat> 1986 because I know they did reprints, which is what I had. Yeah. I had like an yeah. anthology that was printed later and in color and shit. So, but it was oh, like brilliant. way earlier than that. Um, and a lot of it was uh, actually inspired by Daredevil, apparently. Um, oh wow! Really. Yeah, there are a lot of parallels. So Splinter is a parallel of Matt Murdock's ma- um, teacher, whose name is Stick. Right. Uh, I'm not sure. Did you watch the Daredevil TV show? I did. Least? Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Stick. Great that's show. that's basically what who Splinter is based on. That's why he's called Splinter as well. Right. Um, okay. There's a warring underground ninja clans in New York. So, um, and the main ninja clan in Daredevil is called what? Oh, do you, do you remember? It's the, yes, I do. Hang on. Um, the hand. Yes, as opposed okay. to. Oh, thank God. Uh, the foot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yeah, a lot of parallels. But, they drew a lot of. Wasn't it Michael Dudikoff's American Ninja with the elbow? Clan? <laughs> wasn't it? I think it was. El- be- elbow clan. <laughs> oh, Al- it was like all anatomy. <laughs> Alba clan, like Jessica Alba clan. It's all just <laughs> Jessica Alba. All Jessica Albas as ninjas. They've been cloned. <laughs> that for goddamn Alba clan. But yeah, uh, even it even went so far as to actually almost be integrated into the actual Daredevil comics wow. lore. So get this. Matt Murdock as a child has his accident on the street. Um, they even show it in the show, right? How he actually got went blind uh, from the accident he had as a kid. Um, I think he, got, he got, was about to get hit by a car or something, and then I can't actually yeah. remember what happened. But uh, while that was happening, Matt Murdock was get, getting his powers or getting blinded to then sort of start getting his powers after that. Um, at the same time, the incident with the turtles in the bowl happened. So the kid actually ended up dropping the the bowl um, as a result of the accident happening, like right That's there right. on the street. The canister crashes into the bowl, yeah. Yeah, so they've linked that, and then the story oh, wow. offshoots into the turtles falling down the sewer and then the familiar tale. 
So it's actually not even just inspired, but they like almost heavily integrated <laughs> into um, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Did you know any of that? Because I don't think a lot of t- no, turtle fans know that at all. Yeah, that's really amazing. Oh, I had I had no idea. The the wow, the strong connections. Did did they approach Marvel then and and, and try and pitch this or anything? I have I don't think so because it was purely an underground comic. Like it was grunge underground. It was like the punk. Mm. It was like the punk rock of comics, basically. And it started a wave as well. There was a lot of copycat uh, comics that came out after it, um, after it actually gained you know, a bit of notoriety and became right. successful very quickly, like within about a year. Um, they were already like fucking killing it. Um, Amazing. But yeah. So I forget what my original point was. Did I have an original point to that little rant or... Uh, I think we started off where it was the Daredevil uh, comparisons. Oh, we'll talk about the year of its creation, I think, ultimately. Right, yeah. So um, they did sketches as early as 82 or 83. Mm. Comic came out in 84. uh, The cartoon, again, I believe maybe started in 87. So it had at least a few years out on the market before the movie came out. And then I think the movie was a bit of a shock um, because of how grim dark it it tended to be. And it was pretty intense. Um, there were even scenes in there where they had to edit and pull pull it back a little bit because it went a little over overboard. Uh, wow. f- for example, the scene where um, Tatsu loses his shit and starts like throwing equipment around, right. and then he beats yeah, the yeah. shit out of one of those foot soldiers. Yes, yeah, Sencho. Um, <laughs> you hear, you hear, Tatsu, no, no. Yeah, no. exactly. <laughs> so get this: um, in the original cut, and this is t- still technically in the film. So the footage shows him getting knocked to the ground and then they pull his mask up and then someone comes over and you hear like an overdub of someone saying, oh, yeah. he'll be all right. As yeah. in to imply like he's alive, like he just knocked him out. Right. However, Uh-oh. that was added in post-production because what actually happened in that scene is he killed that kid. Wow. He beat him to death. So he actually died uh, and as as a, like a yeah. protest or whatever. Like, I guess the censors even probably said, yeah, this is a bit too much. Even I can acknowledge that that would yeah. have gone just that like, smidgen too far. Are you kidding me? Like, I'm like, whoa. Like, uh, maybe if, if I was a bit older, I would be like, yeah, bring that on. Like, now I'd be like, mm. fuck, give me that hardcore. Like, a bit a bit more intense, you know, I'm up yeah. for it. But, yeah, even, the, even they had to sort of rein themselves in in certain ways. Yeah. Um, Gosh. It's sort yeah. of, it's a weird parallel with... um like Tim Burton's Batman, isn't it? Because you have the first two until the studio decided that ultimately Mm. they were creating something that just wasn't as family friendly as they wanted, which is why Burton was asked to leave. And Joel Schumacher kind of stepped in, who I I imagine ultimately achieved what they were shooting for. Mm. Uh, Obviously, probably not in terms of quality, but I kind of liken the, the first two Batman movies to the first Turtles in terms of it's a, you know creative masterpieces Mm. but ultimately the studio interference is what it is yeah you know what though i actually rate batman forever i'm actually quite a big fan of that is that the val kilmer one yeah with jim carrey as the riddler um two-face but batman and robin was a complete shit show like that that just went (laughs) off the rails i don't know what the fuck um yeah uh with uh, arnie as mr freeze and all that but yeah like, I, yeah, I can get that because, you know, Tim Burton, that's just his fucking style. And yeah, him yeah. doing that, though, making that first Batman film, that was, you know, that signaled at least 
hey, this can be profitable and taken seriously and yeah. be a bit dark and for adults, like just because it's a comic book, you know, people think it's automatically kind of kid kiddy or maybe kid friendly mm-hmm. or just childish. But man, there's a lot of intense adult shit happening uh, in comics yeah. that drive the foundations of our favorite characters. Like it's all yes. traumatic, you know, it's all bad shit it is i suppose every every yeah every superhero story is is born of tragedy in 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 many many ways isn't it i mean it's usually that determining factor like peter parker Mm. you know it's the death of his uncle who he watches die in front of him and he could have stopped it you know that's what sets him on the path of you know uh uh, righteousness Uh, superman losing his his entire home his planet his original his biological parents you know it's it's that tragedy that has to set him on a path and uh, yeah, it usually is the determining factor. And um, I suppose it's funny you should sort of go to the origin so much because I was, I've actually going through that um, 84, I think you said, um, graphic novel here. I was going through it and it's, it is dark. I mean, they openly talk about, um, hang on, let me just grab it, about how uh, Tang Shen, you know, is, you know, being beaten by uh, Aruku Nagi yeah until yoshi comes home and obviously that was something i want to talk about in terms of just from an origin Mm. perspective that um yeah it was nagi not saki but whatever but yeah you know and even there's a fairly graphic image and it's yeah i don't remember i remember Mm. it just sort of being somewhat fixated on it as a kid you know of him you know she's almost unconscious Mm. and like in a dressing gown and he's holding her and he's you know it says he was beating her until yoshi came home and then you've got yoshi the shot of his bloody fists after having beaten Okunagi to death. Yeah. And it's like, God, blimey, it's, it's literally two frames as well of those kind of two images, incredibly visceral, you know, and that's obviously what sets them on their path of, you know, to, to New York. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's really quite shocking stuff at times, isn't it? Did you say call blimey? You did, didn't you? You did. I'll have to check. You I did. can edit I that out. I swear you just said. I can edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> I think I said um, oh blimey uh, that just Torsani. came out oh really yeah I think I said Torsani yeah who is that your favourite <laughs> Italian soccer player or something or... That's, no? that's that's quick that's very good <laughs> um, I'm going to Google a Torsani I'm like oh my god there is an Italian soccer player but yeah um, yeah absolutely yeah. like the um, the adult nature of it was there from the beginning yeah. and I think that because they didn't think this was going to actually catch on they thought this was a one and done deal they they were telling this cool grim dark story obviously had tipping their favorite comic daredevil Mm. um and it just caught on uh the first run are sold out pretty quickly and then they um had money that they made from that to print more so there was multiple reprints throughout that year of 84 um but it very quickly just grew and grew and then it became a just financial juggernaut that it still is to this mm. fucking day. Like that's one of the yeah. amazing things about this this IP is that uh, it's just got something that's just got staying power and enough staying power for you to keep spending money on anything to do with Turtles, whether they be the, the films, cartoons, uh, all the ass load of like products, uh, anything with Turtles printed on them. You know, you're liable mm. to buy. Like, I'm, I'm wearing the turtle socks again, as per we did last <laughs> time. Um, you know what I mean? Like, it's just got a hold of a whole generation, and here we are, yeah. still fucking waxing lyrical about it, and finding new stuff that we haven't yeah. come across before, like the, you know, subject of today's review. 
Would you want to lead lead us into it? Yes, absolutely. We reach over and grab my uh, (laughs) my hardbound, well, paperback. uh, Oh, I thought you were going to say something else there for a second. Okay, yeah, no worries. Oh, cool. You're going to grab your (laughs) (laughs) going to grab my hardbound (laughs) A4 size. Oh God! Surviving no. Imran season oh, three. No, season three. When I planned today's episode, I thought <laughs> I have to steer it away from Surviving Imran. I have to position myself. It's in been a, way a while that this Doesn't come up. It's been a while no, since I we've had just... to survive Imran. You know, <laughs> I'm not convinced we didn't do it in the last episode, but <laughs> <laughs> but as a as another in our IDW kind of. Um, reviews kind yeah. of of um these ninja turtle uh graphic novels which you know mm. gosh there's so many and yeah. even even this one we're talking about obviously shredder and hell mm-hmm. if, if anyone is a fan uh listening and you've not heard uh the last ronin episode that we did there will be a link to that one in the description for this but i wholeheartedly recommend uh that you check that one out i thoroughly enjoyed discussing the actual book with you but also just the full turtles kind of fandom that each of us have shared over the years yeah um and it was awesome to sort of take the the, the cap off that bottle so to speak yeah just it's go, fun man. Turtles. just go full turtle um, yeah yeah it was awesome so i'm looking forward to today as well um but i mean if if you are a turtles fan and the three words shredder in hell don't <laughs> captivate you instantly, exactly then like what oh, more on. could you be possibly looking for this is like wow there's and there's a heck of a lot and i think reading this is kind of what made me want to go back a little bit to kind of ex- sort of find a definitive version of Saki's kind of just his his origin story because there are some things here that maybe contradict things from before so we have we have a splinter in here who is hamato yoshi Mm. now that's a sort of a fairly strong distinction for me because i guess originally because i mean you never know what splinter's gonna be is he the pet rat Mm. or is he hamato yoshi depending on varying versions originally and so in the original 84 that we discussed the graphic novel it was the pet rat that's right he was a pet rat hamato yoshi yeah hamato yoshi and again um, we have the the forgotten character i would argue of oruku nagi Mm -hmm. who was the love rival with yoshi for tang shen and as Mm -hmm. we described earlier uh that descends into uh violence and um yoshi kills him with his bare hands beats him to death mm-hmm. um and they retreat to new york and then nagi's younger brother oruku saki over the course of 15 years dedicates his life to revenge and he subsequently becomes the head of the foot clan and then brings them over to new york for the purpose of taking revenge which he does in a unpleasant way mm. and uh killing tang shen and killing yoshi uh thankfully it's not too graphic but it's it's grim nonetheless um and then obviously that sets uh the pet rat free to meet daredevil and uh, <laughs> uh and so yeah so that's kind of that's the original and official version of this but mm. we're i guess we, you and i are somewhat new to the idw version of events so the, yep. the, the first thing i would say is obviously yoshi here is splinter um and i love the fact that 
Hamatoyoshi's in this as much as he is, and we kind of bring it back to them pre-rivals where there was a friendship and before it was torn apart by foot clans and love and we kind of return to that essence and we have shredder on this um this 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 personal quest but he has mm-hmm. this wonderful moment where he sees ghost uh yoshi with ghost tang shen and he looks at them and thinks what have i done yeah i've dedicated my life to 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 pain and suffering for what mm-hmm. you know and it's, it's a nice moment um that kind of brings it somewhat full circle in terms of that introspective nature that hell affords yeah. uh, under these circumstances. But yeah, what is your 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 initial take on on the Shredder in Hell story? Oh man, wow. Um, yeah, it was it was a lot. Like you said, it was a lot. It it really took things cosmic in a in a way that yeah. well turtles always has been like they've always gone to other dimensions and other planets and shit yeah. like that but like this was beyond this was some proper like some shit straight out of ancient texts you know what i mean like it's in mm. really employing um probably some vedic uh vedic sort of god pantheon um like you had gods showing up demigods um powerful beings um but i think it was kind of cool like you can get away with it in the comics whereas if you try yeah. to introduce that in the live action it would it would have taken you out of the grounded nature of that film yes absolutely. Um, so yeah. they had to bring everything back down to earth which was cool i love that it was like street level everything was just kind of you're not dealing with well the, other than the ooze obviously but that's right. probably as far as you, you can take it in that film mm. um but everything else is pretty grounded whereas here uh, it really gets deep into the lore, which I loved. I, I've never gotten this deep into the lore of how did the Foot Clan initially begin, and it goes, you know, it goes pretty primordial with it, all the way back to uh, this original uh, dragon spirit, which is uh, what the brother of the dreamer, who's like the feminine mm-hmm. entity, um, and they're they're supposed to be, you know, polar opposites of each other, and they maintain a balance, I guess, in the universe. Um, but now there's been an imbalance. Uh, I don't know a lot, a bit of that. Um, I think maybe I missed a little bit of that uh, that dynamic uh, specifically, but it was something like that. Um, but yeah, it no, was, no, it's, yeah, it is, it is. Yeah. It, I, I think it's 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 that. Yeah, they say uh, Brahma. I guess the Hindu god of Brahma. Yeah. Uh, creates the dragon god and the dreamer, and they're the proverbial yin and yang. Yeah. Um, there's a. I think the dreamer, when she sort of surmises their, their history and their kind of correlation with each other, she says, I wrote it down this really cool line. Uh, I gave birth, uh, excuse me, I gave life to birth. The dragon gave life to hunger. Yeah. And that's such a wonderful dichotomy. And that image. Of, not just, yes, it's not just life and death. Yeah. It's the notion of birth, but hunger and that, that almost mm. quest to stamp out life. Um, it, it was just that it, it was such a really beautiful, like, um, description of kind of those two opposites we it's not the opposites we would think of it as it's usually mm. life and death uh but uh, i thought that was a, a wonderful take on it but yeah so no go ahead go ahead no i was i guess just the general depth is what i really enjoyed because as a similar i guess creative person who has been in the thick of creating the the whole dark southern universe mm. right i don't know i mentioned that every fucking podcast but <laughs> It, it, should. It, it just relates back to what I've been doing there creatively on the writing tip and the world building side of things. This graphic novel, 
this this five part it's a mini series right five part mm. mini series it contains a lot of parallels to the graphic novel that i just finished writing earlier last year called the dark southern mm. it's almost a similar journey right it's my main character whose name is old jack swing and he's he's the grim reaper but he's got a past that he doesn't know about um but he spent about three four thousand years reaping um ferrying people who are about to die to the next mm. stage whatever that may be but generally he makes a big sort of theatrical thing out of it and he conjures up different scenarios so people die different ways or they get they get transitioned in different ways and then it's up to that individual to create what comes next are you going to create like a heavenly space or are you going to create something that's hellish um and that's kind of his job but then throughout the course of the book, he starts to question his own existence. So it's like death questioning, what am I doing? I'm I'm dead, but I'm kind of living and I'm doing all this reaping. Like, what's what's the meaning of all this? Where did I come from? And then it's a journey of him peeling back the layers of uh, why he doesn't remember anything prior to him being death. Um, and then he gets sort of assisted by various beings, eventually having a confrontation with a giant dragon <laughs> who is part, <laughs> part of a mythical primordial race of dragons in my story that actually have just roots to the actual birth of the earth. Like they've just been there all the time and they are one of the, or always have been the high watermark of power and um, yeah, just power, I guess in general. So there was just a lot of parallels, man. Um, even the naming of some of the characters, like the this, uh, I think Kitsune, right, is the main person yeah. doing the spell. So Kitsune's, uh, I'll just, I guess, if you don't know too much about her, she's the uh, member of what's called the Pantheon. Um, uh, so they're a group of demigods who uh, represent different divine animal beings. Um, most of them have shadowy goals. Um, but they're kind of morally gray. Um, and they each have a different sphere that they kind of operate from. So Kitsune operated out of Japan. There's another one called Chi Yu that operated out of China. Uh, the Rat King. You remember the Rat King? Of course, yeah. He's one of them and he operates in Europe. Oh, wow. And then you got one called Aka, which is spelled A-K-A, who operates in the American Southwest. Aka is a character in the Dark Southern Universe... Uh, one I came up with in like 2017 who's very central she is very central to my story so Aka pops up in the book she is like the older sister of Kitsune the one that she slits the throat of to use her blood right um, yeah I was like well Jesus Christ like it's just that was brilliant I didn't see that one coming yeah yeah it was intense too but like just on a personal note it was the parallels are just like stupid and even my yeah. character of old Jack started to feel like a a shredder like he's my version of shredder who's got a dark past but has a humanity to him or did mm. did have early on like like Orokusaki did as, as a child um, before everything else happened and everything else got fucked up so there was that and just the general telling of a very compelling redemption story for a character that probably needed it because he was always painted in one sort of dimension outside of the original comic. He was just right. always boah ha ha ha, you know, all that kind of shit. 
um, he now is like, you feel for him. You have yeah. empathy, but he did some horrible shit though. Um, mm. Let let me get some more of your thoughts, but I, I want to get into a bit of the um, the comic backstory as to how, like what led up to this. Like I can give us a, yeah. a brief, like um, get us up to speed and let you know exactly sort of what he's, he's done in this universe that he has to make up for. Right. Well, firstly, massive shout out for Dark Southern. I honestly can't <laughs> wait to to check it out when it's when it's ready to to read and then we can sit down and dissect it in an episode like this and oh um, dude i'm sending yeah, you a so, copy for sure yeah. <laughs> amazing no i will i'm happily purchase uh and support but yeah i'm super excited for you and i genuinely can't wait to to kind of sit down with it and um yeah totally immerse myself in it so yeah amazing stuff man congratulations yeah, um as relates here uh i wish one of the things i was going to ask you well I've got two different things. Um, one of the things I was going to ask you, I'll, I'll just ask the question, but then I'll mm-hmm. I'll disregard the question. But I wanted to <laughs> ask what your thoughts on Shredder were, I guess sort of outside of Shredder and Hell, mm. in as much as, I think you, you perfectly summed him up, I think quite a lot of him has been a, a very one-dimensional kind of character, uh, depending on, you know, he's never really been someone that's been fully explored other than that intro of his his upbringing and that kind of um, his origin story that we kind of briefly surmised as a love rival and who's just been driven by anger and bitterness. Yeah. Uh, but but uh, we've never really had a, a fully fledged uh, perception of him outside of that. I, I, I suppose as much as I like Shred, I always almost crave a badass version of him yeah because my preeminent <laughs> version of him is that cartoon series from the late 80s and 90s which he's a he's a bit bumbling mm. subservient to krang and no bebop no <laughs> don't do that you know like oh you turtles i'll get you and that tends to be my defining thought of shredder but we have the movie that we've talked about where he is that character he is absolutely badass mm-hmm. um but there isn't well, I suppose in that story, you wouldn't have wanted a full character sort of depiction of him. It wouldn't have necessarily fit. But yes, to kind of peel back those layers, I think it's really, really exciting about Shredder and how that we have the opportunity to do that. So if I if I may just sort of ask you, like, what were your thoughts of him as a just as a character in general, as a as a villain, as a as a person upon onto himself? Um, I thought his uh, presentation was always. Um, great. I just loved his design in general. He was called Shredder right. and he looked like he could shred and I loved his helmet and his whole getup. Um, he was goofy as hell in the in the cartoons, obviously, mm. um, but he was very endearing. Um, his, <laughs> he was actually almost sympathetic in the cartoons too because he was just always kind of failing and then he'd have these like moments where he'd kind of have self-reflective moments where he was kind of just defeated. So, you know, you actually saw, you know what? I'll give the cartoon credit. <laughs> we saw different sides to, to Saki in the cartoons because he was a lot more, um, while he was menacing and he was trying to do evil shit, he would always have these like moments where he wouldn't be evil. He would just be like a regular dude being chewed out by Krang. <laughs> yes, he was in you middle management I mean? hell, really, yeah. wasn't he? Because he <laughs> yeah. was in charge of idiots in terms yeah. of Rocksteady and Bebop, but he was always subservient to someone else. <laughs> Key boss. <laughs> yeah. Key <laughs> boss. I'm trying to do it. I know, like, who was the Warthog again? That was Rocksteady? 
That was Bebop. That was Bebop. That was Bebop. Yeah. The Rhino is Rocksteady. Yeah. Yes. Rocksteady was more like this or some shit like that. <laughs> but Bebop was more like this, yeah, boss. That I think I got it. You got you got a good Bebop. You got a really good Bebop. I gotta say. You got a good Bebop. <laughs> Bebop. <laughs> MC Supple and DJ that. Lean coming at you. That could be our first single. I'll make it like be. a Bebop yeah. sample based uh, club hit. That's that's excellent. Yeah, you got a good Bebop. Like that's what would a Bebop be? Would it be just a like essence, or is it like a, a slang for you know Bebop for, for like doing it? <laughs> that's you it. Good that's doing it. it. <laughs> you gotta get you go go get your Bebop on, ladies. <laughs> Ladies, <laughs> fellas, be 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 if you love hip hop. <laughs> <laughs> you slap your beat if you love hip hop. Anyway, slap your meat if you love hip hop. <laughs> what? <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> 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 that? Oh, that could be our slogan. Slap your meat if you love hip hop, yo. MC Supple, DJ Lee, live at the House of Blues. <laughs> <laughs> the House of Blues. <laughs> live at the House of Blues, dude. That's what we got to perform. I'll make it happen. We, we got to aim higher, live at the O2 Arena. Fuck. Wembley Stadium, yes. Sydney Opera House. <laughs> Holy shit. Live. Big, right? Live yeah. at the Burj Khalifa. I just wanted to say Burj Khalifa. That's all. There's no other reason for me mentioning that. Burj Khalifa. <laughs> oh, dude, I got it. This is a completely nothing to do with what we're talking about. But um, at work, we try to do, um, like when I talk to customers, I, I try to actually book them in for like appointments to do home loan comparisons. Okay. Um, so it's kind of like a new gig I've been doing. Um, but people who don't have enough sort of income or whatever, they might not qualify to do like a refinance of their loan. They go under a title called DNQ, or it stands for do not qualify. But okay. in the industry, <laughs> or at least some of the boys uh, who've worked in the industry for a lot longer than I have, like in kind of a sales-ish industry, they refer to it as Daniqua. <laughs> Danica says, like, as soon as someone doesn't qualify for whatever, it's like, uh, did you, uh, what happened with that one? It's like, nah, sorry, Daniquid. They got the, oh, they got Daniqua. Yeah. I'm like, that's a pretty cool fucking name. It's a pretty cool name. Daniqua. It's, um, Daniqua. It's a real name, it's like, too. It's, it's, but it's rooted in failure. What do you mean? <laughs> oh, it's yeah. a do not qualify. Do not qualify. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, Daniqua can be like a chick MC who can feature with us every now and then. <laughs> with MC Supple and DJ Lean featuring Daniqua. Daniqua. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we need to find a Daniqua. Would that be her stage name or do we have to put an ad out for someone actually who raps nah. called Daniqua? No, nah, she can be we named can, we, we like... Rename him. Stage she, name. She can just be named like Stacy and we can just name her <laughs> Daniqua. You know, like Fergie isn't Fergie, right? I don't know. Is that, right. is that a real name? I actually don't know. No, I don't. I have actually don't know. Okay. Anyway, yeah, that's got nothing yeah. to do with anything. So yes, um, <laughs> fucking this. Yeah. So this this comic, um, it's pretty intense. So yes, the the main part is we do get to see Saki's backstory, um, 
and actually feel for the guy. But I did want to touch on exactly what he did leading up to this and just sort of what happened just before this miniseries started. Yes, did you ahead. did you read back on did you read up on any of that stuff or No, I I haven't. I finished this one fairly recently and then it was it actually ends with the dragon uh, spoilers everyone, but mm. uh, the dragon god uh what's the word coming through basically mm-hmm. uh, into say the uh the earth realm uh and it kind of ends and I was like, "Whoa, I need <laughs> like it's yeah, I this was a, a built-in thing, but I need to a follow-up, I guess. I read Is it. it available. Yeah, so I read it. It's because at the end it said to, to be continued in TMNT 100. So this was a right. mini series leading up to that 100th issue, which I had to track down online just to know what the fuck happened because yes. it got it did get concluded <laughs> in there. So I can I'll fill you in on that too because uh, I read through oh, that. Um, so we actually can figure out what what happened at the end. Um, so. Okay, so this is just a bit of backstory on Orokusaki. And this is different, again, to the established lore. It's very, mm-hmm. like, loyal to it, but it's also gone a bit deeper and a lot more mystic uh, with it as well. So in the IDW continuity, Orokusaki was a high-ranking member of the Foot Clan in feudal Japan and the reincarnation of Takeshi Tatsuo, who we saw in the book very right. prominently, the Dragon yes. Warrior. And he was formerly one of the main villains in the series. Both Takeshi and Saki were mortal vessels, which Takeshi's bride, the goddess Kitsune, had groomed for the resurrection of her father, the dragon, in the hopes of annihilating a human race she had come to despise. Uh, during his youth in the hope, sorry, during his youth in the Foot Clan, Oroku Saki was a dear clan brother to Hamato Yoshi, which we saw the backstory of when they're playing in the forest. Uh, but Saki's own dark fate corrupted him and drove him to murder Yoshi and his entire family. He killed Yoshi and his whole family. But get this. In a later era, Saki was resurrected by Karai, a distant descendant of the children Saki had with Kitsune, who sought his help in reviving the Foot Clan to its original glory. Leading the new Foot Clan as the Shredder, Saki was reunited with mutant animal reincarnations of Clan Hamato in the form of Splinter and the Turtles. So, wow. uh, Yoshi had a wife, Tangshin. But guess how many sons he had? I'm going to say one less than five, one more than three. (laughs) Bang on. So in this continuity, that is his actual family. Those are his sons. Wow. Yeah. So the the whole IDW series, it's rooted within that as its starting off point. Yeah. Yeah, that's the the law. Like if you, I guess, go back and read through all the issues, which I I plan on doing now because I read 100 and it was pretty damn good. But the miniseries itself was like, it was done by different artists and it was just, it really pops out. It's way different. It's way more intense. The art as well is very hectic. Um, but that was, I guess, the, well, I guess if you want the actual nitty gritty of it, um, Yoshi, when Yoshi refused to take part in the slaughter of innocent civilians when Saki was actually running the Foot Clan and getting really, you know, murderous, Saki marked him for death and ordered for Yoshi, his wife Tang Shin, and their four sons to be killed. Um, he And he killed them by... Well, I guess he killed them himself, and then he beheaded, Yo- he beheaded Yoshi. Um, and later on, God. yeah, they re- I guess they come back as um, Splinter and, and the Turtles. Um, let me just see. There is another important part of this. 
Yeah. No, that brings us up to speed to the book. So, so does yeah. does Tang Shen come back? Come as anything at any point during this? Do you know? Yeah. Well. Um. No. So she was just dead, and then she showed up in the book, right? Mm. Um, yes, but I, I, like, was there like an animal reincarnate? Is she April? <laughs> no, that's actually a good one. Yeah, she didn't reincarnate. Um, I'm just yeah. There is more to that. Um, but I don't want to just read shit off. Like I yeah, actually sure. just did some research online about it, but um, yeah, it puts an interesting spin on it. Um, that is, that's very cool. I quite like that. Yeah. Um, there is, cause obviously the Karai character who I don't know specifically where she comes from. I, 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 the first time I ever saw her was in the Nickelodeon cartoon right. show, which is, which is obviously, I mean, we said this last time, it's fantastic. It's such a great show. Uh, but Karai is, she's in there, she's presented as Shredder's daughter uh, throughout. But then we find out that she's actually uh, Hamato Yoshi's daughter that he stole when he, I think he killed, when he killed Tang Shen. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, he stole her as a baby. So oh. she didn't. She's never known that her actual father was Hamato Yoshi. So oh, I didn't know that. That's insane. Yeah. So he he took her as a child and raised her as his own. So mm. she is obviously just trained to hate Yoshi, not knowing that that's the the father that she was, you know, pulled away from as mm. her as uh, 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 Saki had actually killed her mom. So. Um, yeah, so that's yeah. So he's got he's got it in for his children, hasn't he? Blimey, what a family! Um, <laughs> that's got to be a sitcom, you know, like the the Orokus, the Orokus. Yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> the Orokus are brilliant. Um, yeah, gosh, they. Um, one of the things I was because oh, yeah, there is a lot you you know in terms of setting it up, which you did very well, sir. Thank you. Hmm. Um, they do talk about Takeshi Tatsuo. Now, he is is presented as you've described as the sort of the original founder of the Foot Clan and one of the vessels for hmm. the Dragon God. Is have you encountered him in anything previously, or is he he's a specific IDW property? Never before. No, I, I hadn't no, heard of him until the book. So I think he's maybe IDW uh, specific. Hmm. Yeah probably there's a lot in there that i think they because it's a comic book it's long form they just get to flesh it out so they added a lot to the story i think um eastman had a lot to do with the comic runs um on and off so i think he was contributing uh fairly actively uh throughout the process so he could have been sort of guiding it as well um potentially and and just filling in details Mm. yeah do you tend to be quite open to um sort of changing of like origin kind of stories across various iterations of a product or do do you tend to think no the the origin should always stay the same and 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 that's obviously related to marvel or dc products as well but do you tend to be a stickler about things like that or are you quite open to changes if done um yes and no so i don't appreciate uh what's commonly referred to as retconning I, I don't I see right. it as lazy I lose respect for a creative person or, or the writer of that project if they're fucking just gonna lazily just be like nah now nah, now nah, this is how it happened you know oh that original story of Matt Murdock nah it's actually uh, he just he remembered it wrong it happened this way right like, like okay um, 
why? <laughs> you know, it's yeah, yeah. it's what I can respect is actually what was done in this book, which is it has all the same sort of touch points as the Turtles Origins. You know, it's it's got the hallmarks of the original story and of the original origins that we're used to. It's just painted it with a broader brush and it's uh, it's just filled in more detail. To me, that's what, mm. what I, I love about it, actually. It's mm. it's not overriding anything. It's not really changing a lot. It's um, actually, I think, adding to it, which is the key. The key with art in general, my friend, you want to be adding on. <laughs> you know, that's, right. that's why I love uh, just the general collaborative process in, in this or playing music with people, um, coming up with film ideas with with mates at work i'm currently writing a script for a friend of mine that i work with amazing yeah he just said you know i've always wanted to you know v i'm not that creative but i've always wanted to write a movie i've had an idea for a long time I'm like dude uh give me the idea i'll record you for five minutes talking about it and you give me a week and i'll punch up a, like a 10 page summary of a story mm. and i did that and now we're working on it sort of on and off i'll write up some shit send it to him and he'll send it back with notes um yeah so it's, I love that that process. It's um, it's a building process, and it's it's you, it's like you're filling in gaps together, um, yeah. and broadening out. Please tell out me something. it focuses on a character called Daniqua, please. Um, please. <laughs> uh, yeah. It so, doesn't. You want to, you've missed, but no, no. Yes, like, yes. Actually, it's we do have to because <laughs> we work in the same yes. place. So Daniqua exactly. actually is um, one of the characters. So yeah, <laughs> there is a Daniqua in the film. <laughs> Fantastic. Excellent. Um, but that's, I guess, relating to what I was saying about the book, like that's what it feels like for this book to me. It's mm. It doesn't change too much, so I don't get whiplash from something that's just completely overturned the origin. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's more beholden to the origins of the actual turtles and did a damn good job of expanding on the mind and psyche and spirituality of one of its iconic villains um, who in this fucking continuity is savage as fuck. He didn't just, you know, murder Yoshi mm. and Tang Shin. He murdered the whole family. They had kids. He murdered yeah. the kids. I'm like, God, Lord. That's the man we're trying to redeem. And, you know, quite rightly when he's in hell and he's, he's fighting his way through all these different appar- apparitions of uh, different beings he's fought or and or killed before um being taunted uh by one assumes the the dragon who's probably controlling all those beings um yeah it's it's pretty amazing like you you kind of go back and forth because he starts to act like a normal human being he's friendly with yoshi who (laughs) at one point uh gets reduced back just to a regular rat which is yeah. cute as hell. Seeing that, <laughs> it was very like, I don't know, it felt like very, um, uh, what's the guy's name? It felt like very Miyazaki or something. I don't know. It was like a very uh, anime style uh, man and his little f- furry right. companion. Nice. Like you got a little yeah. uh, pet that follows you on your journey and is also a bit of a badass. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was really awesome. And then just them reestablishing the fact that they were friends and that Saki chose a different path and it led to the destruction of his friend's life and his, his family's life. Um, by the way, leading up to this issue, uh, obviously um, Saki's dead 
Um, and prior to that, I'm not sure if that was actually in the book. It was in the book, right? There was a flashback. To uh, no, that was actually going to be something I was I was just about to ask you about. I don't know if I maybe I completely missed it, but oh. we begin with a beheaded Saki who is wrapped up yes in kind of bandages. But I I totally missed oh, who okay. is responsible for that yes. and what happened there. Splinter was so Splinter actually beheads Shredder. Oh, wow. So it's I'm not sure because I read it in I think it was in issue 100. So when it continued the story, I think they flash back to the rooftop fight scene, which may actually just be a flashback to the comic number one, I guess, if in some right. oblique way. But they're having that this ultimate fight with Shredder. Um, Splinter defeats him. So they have a, like a one-on-one duel because um, Shredder's kind of kicking the turtle's asses. So Splinter steps mm-hmm. in. Um, they have like a ninja duel, like where you kind of attack each other and one of them gets cut and they both kind of pause and you don't know which one's been cut. Um, yeah, yeah, think, yeah. Sh- yeah. Shredder gets cut. Um, his chest gets sliced, and he's obviously he's bleeding out. And then they have a little moment where they um, kind of call each other brother. Um, and Saki gets a chance to verbally state that he's um, in the next life. He wants to choose a different path. He wants to not be this person. And then um, Yoshi, uh, yeah, they do like a seppuku kind of style thing where he like honorably beheads him. Um, yeah, that's yeah, no, that's where it, it ends. I'm just flicking, yeah, yeah I'm flicking through the the pages and like like the third page. <laughs> yeah, it, it is in the book. You're it right? is right. Yeah, I wasn't just yeah, fucking hallucinating that. Yeah, spread. that's it. That's no, it. It's a two page spread. Um, it's such an iconic thing that like the rooftop fight and it's. It was mm. the the four turtles against Shredder. It's appeared in like the movie, the original <laughs> graphic novel. It's in here. I love that. I I don't know what it is. It's something about, and I I always love the fact that they can't beat him. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. Know? It's just something very cool. And again, it's that kind of that it's badass. Like, you guys have but, trained your whole life, and you're still gonna get your ass kicked. Which yes, like, rightfully so. He, they should. Like, doesn't matter. Yes. They're, they're teenagers. Like, you're dealing yes. with fucking. This is uh, almost an immortal being at this point in any iteration yeah. even in the live action film he was just a guy but he came across as just so much more and yes. that scene when he actually jumps on you know he jumps from above in that initial rooftop confrontation yes. and it's in slow yeah. motion and it's like a when he slowly rises up that's got to be one of those badass fucking sequences it's just it's, simple yeah. But everything whoa. about it, you're absolutely right. <laughs> everything is perfect. The way they completely take him for granted, like mm. one one by one, you go, and then we we think we talked about that. I don't know. I just always got such a great kick out of that line. Yeah, where it kind of cuts to Casey and it comes back and they're huddled. Yeah, the fact that Shredder's allowing them to huddle, it yeah, just yeah. It kills me. It's hilarious. Mikey. But then Michelangelo with that brilliant line. Okay, at exactly what point do we lose control? Here? Yeah, good meta <laughs> moment. Someone should tell him we're the good guys. Yeah, such a great. Lines, Donnie but. was so um Donnie was really likable in that in the first film, you know what I mean? They made Donnie yeah. like just as funny as Mikey, but like kind of sophisticated funny. Yes. Uh, so. They toned down the genius nature of it, doesn't it? There was no yeah. gadgets, there was no uh, electronics on anything. Um, he was just mildly cleverer than the rest. They <laughs> kind of hinted really at anything. it. Yeah, they kind of hinted at it. Like he knew how to work on different stuff. Uh, I guess it, yes, when they right. uh, the foot the foot clan was going to jump into April's apartment, and he was like, "I don't know if this is uh, structurally <laughs> speaking the best times for your buddies to drop in." Like, <laughs> he's like assessed the situation. He's like, "Yes, this yeah. thing's about to give way." Yeah, he knows some shit. I guess they, he didn't have to flex yeah. that in the movies. 
Um, yeah. Yeah, that, that initial landing of Shredder, and then he just goes, what did he say? He goes, you fight well, well. in the old style, but now you face the Shredder. I'm like, all oh, right. And then obviously the, the <laughs> Mikey line back and Donnie's lines. But yeah. like that, like, come on, man. Like that was it's great. Spot on. And the music as well. You know, da, 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 yeah, when they're just yeah, getting their ass kicked. It's just brilliantly done. Everything about it's perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. man. Yeah. Actually, uh, maybe we can quickly segue into Secret of the Ooze. I know we touched on yeah. already a bit, a little bit. Um, we know it was heavily sanitized. Um, Weapon wise, yeah, like the the turtles could fight but not use their weapons, and they had to sort of fight in a goofy, funny way and and make it really kind of kitty friendly. Yeah, Um, even though that you end up with like mutant shredder who's scary as fuck, (laughs) I know, completely wasted. He's like, he exists for about 10 seconds on screen until the the weight falls on on the bridge or something. Yeah, the fucking pier killed him. It's wooden planks. You're a super shredder. You yeah. survive being smushed in the back of a fucking garbage truck. What the fuck's a peer? There's nothing. Yeah. It was weird. It was a bizarre like to do it and then just to undo it within seconds. It was not a bizarre choice, but it's worse now because when I was doing my Turtles Doco, uh, and I was doing the research, I mentioned this last time too, but the original director of the first film, Steve Barron, who's a mm. huge com uh, fan of the original comics, that's why the first film oh, wow. is so fucking good. Um, he was still he was set to direct the second film too, and he was going to adapt issue number two of the comic series, basically repeat the formula, and we we're going to get a similar film, similar tone, style. Um, but then you know the I guess the financiers interjected uh, due to pressure from these same groups, saying this this film was a little too violent for our kids. Oh, there's kids uh, fucking living down in the sewers and shit. You know, like I remember that story being on the news where. People, did you, did you hear about that way back in the day when the movie came out? Um, there were stories oh. about kids who would go and hang out in the sewers because that's where oh, the really? turtles were. Yeah, that was a thing. Oh, God. So they're like, ah, oh, it's having such a negative influence and blah, blah, blah. And then all that pressure uh, led to them firing Steve Barron from the production, right. hiring another dude, I forget his name, but he, he was like, he was a yes man, where Steve Barron was constantly butting heads with anyone who had had a say like the, from the suit mm. side of things which generally they right. they didn't interfere too much but um because it was an independent production uh, basically but uh i guess when new line cinema stepped in as well to to get it over the line they provided quite a bit on the on the budget side they provided like right. maybe like 5 to 10 million additional i, I can't remember what the budget wow. was actually the budget was like something like 10 to 12 mil I think New Line had a portion of that. So they had to follow some directives, like the one I mentioned about Tatsu beating the kid to death. Like that was an understandable note to make, yes. right? Um, but in other, in other instances, Steve Barron would be like, no, fuck you. <laughs> like he just, <laughs> like, no, nah, this is going to ruin the essence of the character. You're going to, or it's not going to be true to the, the comic origins. He was very like diligent. Um, and I think he's a bit of an unsung hero in the whole process. Um, wow. and number two could have been just as good. That's what I fucking hate about it now. That's why I can't watch it. Uh, is because I now feel like we missed out on getting a second classic. Like, can yeah. you imagine two of them being at the same quality? Like, I know we have fond me- remembrance of Secret of the Ooze despite its flaws. Cause I used to rent the trilogy every fucking 
school holidays. <laughs> I'd rent it from the video <laughs> yeah. store and I'd have them for like weeks and I'd watch them all yeah. over and over and over and I didn't get tired of them. But as you get older, you start to realize the quality one was the first one and the yeah. second one and there was diminishing returns, which didn't need to happen. So I'm yes. always I'm always just reflecting back going, fucking hell, like that could have been the perfect trilogy potentially, you know? Mm, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Your thoughts on Secret of the Ooze? Um, I mean, it's. I'm trying to think back to it, and because I, I, I think I, in complete honesty, remember enjoying it, even though the the decidedly different tone was very apparent. Yeah, and I, I, I again, I, I like you. I instantly knew the first one was my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um. But there was, there was sort of a lot to I say a lot to like. Yeah, I mean it was it was okay. I never understood the introduction of Toka and Razor, uh, <laughs> as opposed to Bebop and Rocksteady. It's like, well, if you're appealing for that market, why not just bring in the ones we know, as opposed to creating new ones? So I don't know if there was any issues with them bringing those two in for some reason. Yes, or not. Eastman and Laird. Uh, sorry, Laidman and oh, sorry, fuck. I keep fucking their names up. Eastman and Laird. <laughs> the original yeah. creators, they were asked and they emphatically said no. So they said, no, you, oh, you wow. can't. So they wanted their own ones. Oh, no, they, no, what, they, 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 they... had no choice. They wanted those oh, two wow. mutant characters. Uh, the boys said, nah, fuck off. We don't want you putting them in here. We don't even like mm-hmm. what you're doing with this movie. They weren't fans of number two or three, but they fucking right. love number one. And I guess as a fuck you to them, they <laughs> they created Toka and Razor. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, yeah. And the fucking yeah, donuts. I mean, <laughs> oh god, the donuts. Yes. And the shit. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm. I think I remember again as a as a as a kid, not necessarily knowing much, but I I remember quite enjoying elements of the fighting. It was because mm. I, you know, we grew, most boys grow up martial art fans, don't you? So I, I, the fighting in of itself, although far less gritty, was way more athletic. You know, there's way more like jump spin kicks and things like that, mm. which was like, wow, look True. at that. True. Um, so I do remember being really attracted to elements of that. Um, but uh, everything else was, was fine. I, I remember, yeah, we, we were big uh, Kino fans. Kino. Uh, what yep. an amazing fighter he, that guy was. He had a, a, mm. a, a, was it like a Disney show as well that he, I have to try and look him up and see. He had like a very short, like um, like a serialized 10 minute show. Um, I can't remember what it was. He's got a familiar face. Like, I know he was in some shit in the 90s at some point. Yeah. yeah. He did do a few things at, r- around that time. Um, I'm trying to think if we knew him before or if we knew him from Turtles. I think maybe no. Turtles was our first introduction. Or I didn't know him but... until Turtles. And he apparently, I think he was one of the guys in the turtle suits for the movie. Or he was oh, one wow, of the. Oh, really? Yeah, or one of the foot soldiers. Oh, I can't remember. He's, he's He was in some incapacity, but he was masked mm. and doing some shit too. Yeah. Right. Well, he he's again just just to watch him was you know he is exceptional as a oh yeah he was uh, great like a fighter and stuff he was great um, but, but he again, had this I mean, just... he had this high pitched voice and it was like <laughs> <laughs> he was like the pimply teenager from The Simpsons you know <laughs> like you know what I mean like not like that bad but he kind of had like this kind of like a mousy voice kind of thing happening yeah. he's always very like God. pleasant sounding. <laughs> But then he could How kick- old would he have been at that time? I don't know. Well, obviously, the testicles hadn't dropped yet, maybe. 
Fair enough, but he could spin yeah. kick the shit out of you. Like that's the yes. like that's made up for it, obviously. That's, oh, that's so funny. Um, I'm trying to remember any of his quotables, but it might come to me I, later. I honestly don't but, remember uh, anything he said in that movie. No, <laughs> I just remember like he was delivering the pizza, and then he suddenly he could kick the shit out of people, and yes, like, awesome. Yeah, so they, that's right. They save him in the beginning, and then he runs into them in April's apartment, doesn't he? Yeah, um, the uh, uh, the new April. Yes. What happened to, to Judith? <laughs> it was Judith Hogue, wasn't it? Like, yeah, she wasn't invited back. Really? She was so great in the first yeah. one. Yeah, apparently yeah. Um, some of the, uh, I don't know, production, not the production, but like the suits as well. She clashed with like some of the higher ups. Wow. They were asking her to do certain things and she was also like Steve Barron being like, no, fuck off. I'm not doing that. <laughs> so they wanted her to actually originally one of the things they wanted her to do was to look almost exactly like the cartoon April in the yellow oh, jumpsuit. Yellow jumpsuit. Wow. And she went, "Fuck you! I'm not wearing a yellow jumpsuit." <laughs> she, but she compromised and said, "Look, I'll wear a yellow jacket only in the intro," which she did. She wore the yellow jacket, right. which is yes. getting mugged. Okay. Um, but because she, she's an actress, actress, right? She's actually pretty full yeah. on. She's got a pretty like large filmography too. She's been in a lot yeah. of things. Um, so she, I guess, rubbed people the wrong way at the top and they just didn't invite her back, just recast her with Paige, it- Paige Turco, who, have you ever heard of her? I have never heard of her before. No, I, no, I can't think of, uh, I can I see her face now from, she almost looks like, I, like, uh, uh, what's her name? It'll be like Sheridan Fenn if I'm, if I'm remembering her correctly. Um, what's the chick from Long Kiss Goodnight? Gina... Davis. Gina Davis. She's got to be. <laughs> no, no, maybe I'm way off on that. She's maybe a uh, young Gina Davis. I'm going to have to look. Yeah, I'll look her Paige Turka. I think that's her name. I remember because it just stuck out going, that's not Judith Hogue. Like, where's Judith Hogue? Mm. I was yeah. obsessed with her for a while. I'm like, oh, I, 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 it's understandable. I, I, for me, it was a little bit later, but it was like when you look mm. and you're kind of like, oh my God, wait, wait a minute. Like, yeah. Yeah, stunning. Like, wow. That I don't um, like either. I don't like that recasting shit. Yes. I don't like that at all. <laughs> was there a fallout with, with Casey Jones as well for Secret of the Use? There was, or Well, no fallout, but he was um, victim of the whole, we have to make this less violent thing. So oh, okay. uh, they completely just removed him because, yeah, he was just beating shit people to shit up with uh, yeah. hockey sticks and cricket bats. Um, but they made up for it by, you know, obviously inviting back for number three. Sure. Um, yeah. With a wig. But you know, it was. Oh right, it was. It was that wasn't his real hair. No way. No. no. Okay. He wasn't. He didn't have it long at that point. Um, mm. But yeah, he at least he showed up there. But they never invited Judith back to the party. Right, also, right. also Corey Feldman was it Feldman? Feldman, that's right. Yeah. So he didn't For voice. The first one. Yeah, he didn't voice Donnie in Secret of the no. Ooze because he apparently uh, during the I guess the the making of it, post production where they were doing the voice recording. Um, he had some uh, drug-related uh, issue oh, right. happening or, or like he was in rehab. Oh. Uh, he, he was in rehab. That was the story. And because of that and the or negative, perceived negative publicity of uh, including him, they can just recast him as well. And he was actually really hurt by it uh, from what I read uh, about that. He was oh, actually right. quite, um, yeah, because he must have loved doing it. But then again, they invited him back for number three. So I think he came back for number three. Um, right. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, wow. bit of back back 
yeah, behind the scenes shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It was. It's funny when the starkest kind of contrast for the first and second one, which surmises mm-hmm. that you know the issues that they wanted to resolve is when the Foot Clan kind of in both of those movies they capture Raphael and in the first film he gets the shit kicked out of him, which yeah. i remember being a bit young thinking like jesus like this is yeah. not at all like <laughs> throw through I the fucking roof happen. yeah like and they, you see him like you know the, the guy the foot soldier pulls back like he's about to ground oh, and pound yeah. him yeah. in that scene as well and then they yeah, cut off just yeah. getting, he's on the floor they kick him in the stomach and it's like jesus <laughs> a bit much and then in the second one they just put a, a rope around him and he's like uh, i'll get you and like shush you here's um sellotape for your face <laughs> so you so you can't talk and then they don't touch him <laughs> that's probably the starkest contrast between the first two movies but yeah, yeah plus you know go. like there's no vanilla uh vanilla ice dance number vanilla ice. which yeah. fine you know for the time it was, it was cool i was a big vanilla ice fan at that point right. uh in time i'm sure a lot of us were um but yeah that was that that happened you know ninja rap was a thing yeah um yeah, yeah no it just took a step down the production value is still there you know what i mean it looked really good probably the budget had been ballooned because of the success of the previous film yeah. but you don't bring back the original cooks of that recipe what the fuck are you gonna expect yeah. and you know you're watering yeah. it down you, you, this is what happens with turtles that annoys the fuck out of me which i hate to say this i'm not really fond of the the uh, the whole idea that they've made a ronin verse i think i had to sit with it for a little while right. after we had our chat and i'm like you know yes. i will read the follow-ups because i'm curious but this was supposed to be an end and then you have yes. now because of its success and because people have loved it once again the turtles is being fucking pimped the fuck out and yeah. is just making unnecessary extension to this now what was supposed to be a f- final finale and was so, beautiful right we didn't need on, that post credit scene of yeah. the, the four new yeah. characters you know what i mean like it doesn't sit right 100 percent agree and just sort of on that note so because I, I, I was going through the idw kind of series that they have available so we mm. have uh, we've got the last Ronin, obviously, as you said, um, which was the masterpiece that it was. Mm. Then there's the last Ronin, The Lost Years. Right. Which is basically uh, two kind of timelines. We see Michelangelo's uh, training uh, prior to his return at the beginning of The Last Ronin, and it's interspersed with a um, uh, April's daughter, Casey, mm. uh, teaching and training up her new team of ninjas. Um and the and down you kind of four turtles so there is that and i imagine they're gonna i mean to an extent to an extent even though i couldn't dispute anything you said to an extent it is an end to the five splinter and the turtles that we know Mm. but they've obviously used it as a a jumping off point for more and again i i do agree completely like you know it was a very (laughs) it left a really bad it didn't, kind of, yeah. No, not for yeah, the, just, why, why the style of the like, story. Like, imagine Logan had that kind of ending. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. you're betraying the whole uh, style and the whole tone that you've gone for the entire yeah. run. 100%. It was, yeah. But I don't mind the Lost Years thing because that's looking back. So if you tell it in a sure. similar style and similar quality, then great. Let's find out how the other turtles carked it, you know? Like, yeah. fine. But, yeah, that didn't. that ending didn't need to be there. Um, no, completely. Which agree. turtles? Because turtles is a financial juggernaut. Uh, any opportunity to make some more money off them, 
um, even if you're leveraging of something that's really, really good quality, like the Ronan story, um, I think there needs to be like a bit of a slowdown on that kind of shit. Like, I think Turtles have made enough money. Now start focusing on the quality storytelling. Don't mm. just start expanding shit just for the sake of trying to sell more books. Like, well, tell, tell a good and story. And on that note, yeah, and on mm. that note, I mean, IDW, you know, whilst I've only read two and I massive thumbs up for both of these, but mm. they, they do seem very committed to expanding and going beyond. I mean, we talked about some of the crossovers um, that they have created with, um, Yeah, I think now that their list has three uh comic book crossovers with batman mm. there are two comic book crossovers with the ghostbusters yes which i'm almost tempted to suggest should be our next review maybe um, mm. there are two with the mighty Morphin power rangers yeah and the most recent one that i can see on wikipedia is <laughs> ninja turtles and street fighter oh nice. which is like yeah that's i'm pretty sure sh- pretty sure i saw one uh with x files as well uh, which was a bit. I'm serious because when I was looking really? online uh, at just the sort of range of IDW or just Turtles comics in general, they weren't all IDW, but um, there were some pretty interesting other crossovers I'd never heard of. I think X Files was one of them. Um, but a lot of those, even in the IDW, it's on that label, but not all of them are part of the same continuity either. Like especially right. those team up ones, I don't think they're part of the ongoing uh, continuity of this one. Um, which I guess do, do do you want to know how it ends in issue one hundred? <laughs> I do. I'm <laughs> just thinking. Should I? I da, da, da. do. I, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go on. Okay. I mean, well, we know what happens in the end of Shredder in Hell. He is brought back by Kitsune. Mm-hmm. But obviously, you noticed he was missing his head. Yes. Uh, I don't know if you noticed when Splinter was meditating, uh, he had a skull in between his legs. Yes. So he's it's a actually, great shot, actually yeah. yeah, that's Shredder's head. So right. he's hung on to it because Kitsune needs that the rest of his body, his whole body. So she needs his head to actually complete the spell um, and to enact the plan to release the full-size dragon into the physical world to take it from that from that realm and actually uh, create a portal, basically, to let the dragon loose uh, in, in New York, in Manhattan. Mm. Um, so, essentially, that is what occurs. But um, So, let me just see what I wrote down for my notes. I read it during, during work. Um, so she completes her spell to resurrect the spirit of the dragon inside Orokusaki. However, she can't fully complete it because Splinter is holding onto Saki's skull. Yeah. Uh, Splinter once again intervenes in the afterworld and finally gets Saki on his side. Uh, once he's got Saki's uh, promise that he will do what he can to fight the dragon because now they can't stop the dragon. It's, it has to be released because he's going to restore his head. So Splinter restores his head and imbues Saki with the immense power Kitsune was actually trying to imbue him with. So Kitsune's intention was to cause chaos and destruction. Um, so the, the dragon is then unleashed in Manhattan. It's this huge shot of that dragon we saw in, in the miniseries now bursting through and just towering over everything. 
And it's just massive red dragon. Um, with uh, plus a whole bunch of demons and zombies, like a horde of them. So the turtles and Casey, they're fighting them all off. Meanwhile, Saki is being tasked with doing the heroic deed. He is being tasked by everyone he's met he's met in the miniseries, the, the spirits, the gods, Tang Shen even. Uh, they all say the same thing to him. It's like, this is your chance to save the world um, by slaying the dragon, um, which he does. He, um, he resists the power to follow that particular destiny um, and he slays the dragon, but the... It comes with a cost, and the cost is uh, Yoshi's life. Oh no! Yeah, he screws him over again. No, <laughs> he did it. He knew it was coming. He did it willingly. It was for, it was for his brother. He'd been redeemed already. So it costs Yoshi his life. So um, Yoshi or Splinter, he ends up again. They're on a rooftop. That's how it ends on another rooftop. So Yoshi dies cradled in Saki's arms on the rooftop. Um, Saki and then Kitsune reconnect. Um, and even Kitsune is humanized because it turns out that deep down she's actually was in love with Saki, not just obsessed with bringing forth the dragon spirit. She actually fell in love with the man and her deep, she had a deep seated feeling of a uh, fear of being alone. So that they whittled her down to just fear of being alone for driving her actions. And she's a demigod too. So mm. she's kind of above everything, but she's even feeling like shame and all this kind of stuff. So, they're alive on the rooftop and they're together and they love each other and they're going to actually try to live together um, and make up for all the dumb shit that they've done. Uh, and then towards the end of the book, Yoshi and Tang Shin, they're reconnecting the afterlife like we saw them uh, in, in the miniseries. And then they're happy and they're, they're living a, a new life uh, in a new realm of like peace and love. It kind of ends... Uh, sad but uplifting as you know a good story should um and then i guess later on um after splinter's sacrifice uh saki kind of disappears i think from the continuity so he's not there because he's not the shredder anymore and he doesn't make contact with anyone for up to six months after those events but um in the comics he's shown to be observing the turtles and April and, and that whole crew from far away. So he's actually watching over them. He's concerned for their well-being. Right. Um, is, yeah. is there like a resolution between the turtles and Saki or any, any kind of words between them where they find mm. a peace or is it just they have no interaction beyond that point? It was mainly Saki and Yoshi's story. So um, yeah. the turtles didn't really have much to say. Uh, there, weren't, there wasn't much words exchanged between them because there was just too much going on. Uh, Saki had just gone a complete turnaround from where he was going through his nine circles of hell or whatever the hell he went through and coming back uh, a changed man and absolutely willing to, to do what was right to destroy the ultimate evil, the spirit of his clan. Like... Fucking that dragon is the whole reason that the Foot Clan exists. Like that's that's their that's their god. It's kind of like Hydra. You know what I mean? Hydra's Hydra. Yeah. But then if, when you watch Agents of Shield, it's based on this fucking you know eldritch god being. <laughs> you know, it's uh, 
it's the same with the Foot Clan. That that's what I loved about this too. It actually goes back into the history of it. Um, I'll uh, actually tell you a little bit about it, and I'll stop yakking on. Uh, so in the continuity, uh, Takeshi Tetsuo, he was the founder of the Foot Clan. Yeah. Uh, and was the previous incarnation of the Dragon Warrior. After he died, it was reborn into Orokusaki. Uh, Takeshi was the samurai retainer of the daimyo Ashikaga Yu and was so fierce a warrior that Ashikaga himself even feared him. So Ashikaga set a trap for Takeshi in the mountains where a legion of his armies awaited him. But he slaughtered a lot of them at the expense of his right leg. He was then saved by a mysterious mystic and had his leg restored to him. The bloodied footprint it left behind inspired the Foot Clan's name. He formed, wow. yeah, he formed the Foot Clan out of the remnants of the Yu Clan and forged his power through an alliance with the witch Kitsune. And he was aware Kitsune intended to groom him as a vessel for the dragon's resurrection, but had no qualms about losing himself in the process. In the meantime, terrible atrocities were committed by the Foot Clan, and Oroku Maji and Masato eventually became suspicious of the clan leader's dealings with magic, especially since he never seemed to age. After confirming that he took a strange elixir to restore his youth every month, the two men made their move. Maji attacked Tetsuo before he could take the elixir and slew him. Kitsune cursed Maji causing Tatsuo to later be reincarnated as Maji's son, Orokusaki. If that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I bet I got... Yeah, wow. Right. So, is this established... Um, in Because there is one of the, the, the books that they have is called Secret History of the Foot Clan. Is that any chance it's that? I don't know. I mean, this is just the um, summation of right. the 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 um continuity so possibly yeah that sounds like it could be um, secret history of the foot clan that's that's really you know that's very cool um and then it's there's deeper links obviously to the original dragon um obviously yeah because they're they're the i guess the avatar they're like dark yeah. avatars of the dragon uh, itself um and then in the afterlife tatsuo communed with the dragon when saki also appeared in the afterlife after being killed mm -hmm. by splinter which is our, the book, Tetsuo appeared before him to ensure that their common soul would become one with the dragon. Saki continued to act independently and resist, forcing Tatsuo to capture him to finish the process. His efforts were seemingly thwarted as Saki was saved by Splinter's spirit, empowered by the Dreamer. As Saki was said to be fully awakened by the Dreamer, the dragon took Tatsuo to try and find a way to return the world nonetheless. And then the rest of that happens in issue 100, um, which I highly recommend you read. Okay, yes. get your hands on. I, <laughs> yeah. I will. There was good shit, man. Isn't this good <laughs> shit? Isn't this just fucking like? It's... What have we been missing out on? We need to really. I think we should really delve deep into this uh, a bit more and find some really good fucking stories to pontificate yeah, man, on. Definitely. Man. Yeah. I mean, there is a reference. I'm trying to find it. There's a reference to. Um, a group, there's a group of people here in, in the Shredder and Hell book that Shredder encounters. Um, mm, the Savate? The, Sava the Savate, yeah, the yeah. Savate. The Savate. Savate yeah. Uh, do you, did you have any uh, dealings with them in, uh, like, in anything that you've 
you've read because i was curious because mm. you've got the main guy who seems to be headless mm. and shredder hilariously just keeps chopping his head off throughout the episode <laughs> yeah. which is, and it just keeps coming back but he's obviously <laughs> furious and obviously shredder knows who he is yeah and i was curious as to whether these guys are obviously well they must appear in a previous idw series run at some point but i was curious to know what their history was as well so i'll try and look into that a bit um i did uh I mean, I was it was part of the one of the links. I didn't click on it, but I know uh, that guy's name was Victor. So, um, oh, here we go. So, I did actually copy a bit of that across as well. So, Victor was the leader of the French ninja clan called the Savart Ninja. Um, originally, he was the second in command of Fabrice. Uh, okay. Okay, that doesn't even matter. But yeah, that's who he was. <laughs> so he f- they're kind of like um, I guess rivals to the Foot Clan. So they're rival ninja clans. Uh, and let's see, Victor was the main guy. Uh, after being captured, Victor and the rest of his clan are brought to an abandoned theater where the Shredder is holding his meeting between the various criminal organizations in New York. During the meeting, Shredder decides to make an example of Victor and the Savart Ninjas by decapitating him in front of his audience. Right. There you go. Wow. So that it's, it's got probably got a whole lot of callbacks to characters in the continuity, yeah. which would be pretty amazing to see. Amazing. That sounds awesome. The final thing that I would probably cite, and I, I like that we get fairly minimal uh, turtle involvement in here, mm. but I thought it, it's, it's obviously it isn't specifically them that Shredder encounters in Hell, mm. um, but I, I, I mean, I thought their presentation was strange. Mm. It's like they were kind of using. It's like they were written by whoever wrote the cartoon series from the 80s. You know, they kind of, they when they see him, they say, surprise, Oruku, sucky. Yeah, sucky. And they say, shred. <laughs> and yeah, and it's like, hey, shred head. And yeah. It's like, wait a minute. Like, yeah. who wrote this? And it was weird. Like, it was like a complete callback. I can't imagine that's how they're presented in the other IDW titles. As I said, I've only read nah. Last Ronin, and they're not written like that at all. And I thought it was really... I don't know if it if it was a complete joke to kind of call back to a really sort of stereotypical, almost family friendly version of them, which kind of mm. which was funny because they were so aggressive, mm-hmm. but they're talking like the the old cartoon series, you know, where it's like they're joking around they're, and stuff. They're yeah. joking around, but they're trying to kill him and they're beating him up as well, which is hilarious. And it's a really kind of it makes for a cool dichotomy. But I just thought the way that, you know, their their actual dialogue, very unusual, very kind of out of place. Uh, <laughs> and I, I was curious. As, I can't imagine that's how they've been presented in other titles. No, no, no. So yeah. that's not how they are in the main continuity. They're, they're obviously yeah. not like that. That's obviously it's just because they're in that, that fucking hellscape. And they're yeah. not even, they're not actually there. That's just whatever. Yes, exactly. That's part yeah. of that one glob uh, that, that is everybody. Yeah. But it was interesting. Yeah, they they did that. It's it's almost like a bit of levity, but it's like it's like a dark version. If you take the cartoon versions and then kind of dark them up and smudge them up yeah. a little bit, they got like janky looking teeth as well. If you look at the artwork, yeah. you know, it's yeah, like yeah. they're a little haggard and shit, and they're much more spotted, uh, look a little older and haggard and shit. So, um, yeah. but yeah, the tone which I got from that was pretty much that. It was. Uh, comedic but it was also like almost off-putting because the nature of the book was just so intense and very serious uh so that they still because of that because they were doing that in that environment they to me they came across even more menacing 
Uh, yeah, it's you know, the killer clown thing, isn't it? Yeah, you know, something 100%. that you kind of yeah, it 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 did work. But I I just remember the the way they were talking kind of took me out of it a little bit. But then again, <laughs> with how aggressive they were being, and 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 seemingly the 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 fact they were reveling in 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 hurting him and and you know the the ease in which they were sort of dispatching him basically. Mm. Uh, you're absolutely right. Yeah, it did make it more menacing. But I was just curious is that how they're presented in other kind of idw titles but as you say no probably not no nah. so yeah no that's very much just a product of uh the hell version of them like it's yeah. that, and that's not even that hellish like that's still like somewhat relatable <laughs> you know they could have gone like mm. real fucking weird with it um which i think they were going to at one point um for the i probably mentioned this ages ago they were planning a fourth live action film Oh, right. um, originally before they shit canned mm. it because you know no one started people just got over it i think after the third one which we should probably touch on as well sure um but the fourth one apparently uh they were going to mutate again so they were going to have secondary mutations right right they were going to basically upgrade to different forms but really like freaky looking forms they were going to bulk up and be much bigger. Splinter was going to undergo another mutation too. He was going to get bigger and more muscly. He was going to be like a fucking wow. roided out Splinter. <laughs> I'm serious. It's kind of like the Michael Bay version then. Pretty much. Well, Split, yeah, Splinter wasn't as 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 big, obviously, nah. but they were. They were like huge, yeah. weren't they? Those big and buff. Like Splinter would have been as big and buff. Um, wow. But then you would have had weird shit. Like I think uh, one of them would have developed the ability to completely cover themselves in like metallic s- substance. Like almost like X Men abilities, they're going to give them. You know, like wow. they're going to have different powers, cyborgian. They're going to just be weird, like real, like over the top kind of weird shit. And then that never happened, thankfully. Um, yeah, thankfully, I, I, I agree. <laughs> I agree. Um, um, but number. But what did you think of the third one? So, I actually never had any bad things to say about it. It was such a standalone, much smaller in scope story that. I kind of welcomed it a little bit. I was like, you know what? This is the costumes look a lot worse. <laughs> Obviously, the budget might have taken a hit, right. um, but I didn't mind it. I, I it was very pleasant, not offensive, uh, kind of one and done film. It didn't really have anything to do with a broader story or anything like that. The trilogies are loosely linked. Um, original Casey comes back at the beginning and end, so that was yeah. always a plus. Yeah. Uh, they're still in the underground subway living out of the train like they were in the second film. Mm-hmm. So that there was some carryover at least. And I think Paige Turco is still April. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I didn't mind the fact that they time traveled back to feudal Japan. That's kind of part of their roots. Sure. Um, but I don't really have any standout moments from it. That's the thing. I don't have any quotables. Uh, didn't stick as much as the, obviously the first one did. Um, what about you? Um, much the same. It's been, I can't think how long it's been since I've seen it, but the prevalent thought I tend to have is, is, is liking it. Um, I remember, obviously, as you know, I'm a Michelangelo fan and he was mm. subtly the more focus, you know, he got on, on, on that movie, well, obviously with his kind of affections that he had for the, um, I can't, don't remember her name, but the female kind of character that he, he meets when time traveling back. But uh, yeah, he was sort of more of the focus, uh, and I obviously dug that. Um, Wait, he had yeah, a love interest. He um he had affections for her. Like but a, that was a she, human chick. Yeah, 
Yes. From like feudal Japan. Yes. Right. I keep forgetting Mikey's a horn dog in these films. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Continue. <laughs> yeah, she um ends up. I can't remember. She she ends up with the guy there. I can't remember the dynamics, but she obviously would have been part of a, the rebels, I guess. And she ends up with the the guy kind of rebel. I don't remember who his what his role was mm. but it was that awkward moment where he's kind of like i think he basically at the end says i could stay here with you and she's like <laughs> yeah i don't know i think i'll just stick with the the hot japanese guy as opposed to the mutated teenage turtle so but you said like, oh, you no. love turtle dick <laughs> I tell me don't tell me you're not a fan of turtle soup <laughs> no, no. No. That's what he calls it, because that's what he calls it, because that's because he's Mikey. <laughs> oh God! Um, yeah, that bit. When it comes to my uh, when it comes to my cowabunga bunga party, <laughs> you know the bunga bunga parties yeah. that the Italian prime minister had. I just couldn't get that yeah. out of my head. Dude, how long have you been sitting on Cowabunga Bunga? That I don't know. That's the first time I ever fucking said it. Cowabunga Bunga. <laughs> That's. <laughs> I feel like you've engineered these IDW conversations just to get that com- <laughs> that <laughs> that comment in. And you you have found you my just secret. Crossed it off your list. That's my whole life, dude. I I facilitate <laughs> these random things just so I can say the things that I really want to say. <laughs> like for instance, um, I had a sticker once. Actually, I got it off the internet. There was a there's a really cool picture of the t- cartoon turtles with April in like a pose, um, and then it says underneath, "Only real guys eat out" or something like that, or like okay. it was you know what I mean? Like it's supposed to imply like pizza, but also like uh, eating pussy, um, <laughs> something like that. You know, it was very obvious. It was like only real guys eat out, and they had a picture of April in the middle. And so it's, right. I don't know, like if uh, there's got to be some freaky, oh, we, we don't want to go to the dark corners of the internet. No, I, yeah, it's, no. yeah. there's got to be some manga, to... some turtles manga where they're like doing like tentacle yeah. porn shit to April probably because they have like okay. extra like dexterous penises. I think that's how turtles work. Um, <laughs> unless there's dolphins, sorry. I think dolphins, they have like a retractable penis that can reach out and actually grab you like a hand. Oh my gosh! Yeah, they, there's actually been reports of uh, human females almost being raped by dolphins because they thought, "Oh, friendly dolphin," and the dolphins are like, ee, 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 "I'm cute. Come here, <laughs> come here and rub me because I'm cute." That's how the media always uh, portrays me. But now, like, there's some dolphins attempt to just latch on and then try to do the deed, and then this the whole thing came out about packs of dolphins, pods of dolphins. Oh, cute little dolphins. Save the dolphins. You know, they're, they're awesome. They're super intelligent. Always smiling. Always smiling. They love yeah. to play. They're playful. Uh, they love to have sex for fun. That's apparently one of the things they love to do. And they also love to gang rape the females in the um, in the groups. So it's usually like a oh. bunch of the dudes uh, just piling onto like one female dolphin um, against their will. Uh, the bunch yeah. of like rapey animals, man. <laughs> like, um, so yeah, I don't know how I got into that, but uh, that's just for your own information, okay? Yeah, um, and I won't share it. Don't worry. No, that's don't. Brutal. Yeah. So you know, uh, turtles and April. Um, <laughs> that's how <laughs> they got started. Segue. <laughs> yeah, turtles and April. Well, they have a complex relationship. Like, wouldn't you? 
like you're almost like uh, in the trenches together at that point. Like they they would have developed some feelings almost. Like I'm sure they love each other like family, but you know. I'm sure she keeps reminding them, "I love you like family, and like, like a brother, like yeah. a brother, like a little baby brother." You know, when you've been shut down by a chick in the past, yeah. it's always been like, "Hey, you're, friend," you know, they're like, a good friend. <laughs> yeah, they say like, that oh. shit. I'm like, dude. <laughs> hey, buddy. <laughs> yeah, then they they have the hor- horrifying moment at night where they're. You know they they need April's help and they they by cover of shadow they make their way to her apartment and then, then you know Casey's there it's like Casey what are you doing here it's like oh you know just just hanging out <laughs> it's really late Casey and you're only wearing boxer shorts what are you what are you doing Casey <laughs> it's like oh it's okay guys you why, know why is the hockey like, stick what? in your pants <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it at a 90 degree angle? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, so. Awkward moments. Um, but we were <laughs> still talking about, I guess, film number three. So it was inoffensive. We generally like it. I reckon we should watch that again. I know yeah. we've seen Secret of the Use a lot. I Could we maybe do that um, and then choose maybe like another comic? Definitely. Pluck, pluck yeah. another little mini series out from one of the things that looks cool to you. Sure. Um, do you know what might be fun at some point? We don't need to do it like now, but no, now one of the crossovers one might be interesting. Oh yeah. Okay. Cool. Like Street Fighter or Ghostbusters, which is balmy. Yeah. Um. I mean, the Batman. I think we both saw the animated. Right. We talked about movie, that definitely. So we, yeah. yeah. So we kind of have an idea what that one would be. So, but yeah, I mean they power rangers like wow it's just so like this is the most unlikely ah, man i'd have to start doing harder ups. drugs to to get to start yeah. watch, reading through that but um <laughs> definitely up for the other ones the ghostbusters yeah sounds pretty good um what was the other one so it's batman was street fighter apparently street I don't fighter. Think it's out yeah i might okay. uh, i think it was on the oh you're right i just saw it on the list x-files x-files yeah okay the x-files conspiracy wow yeah maybe that one that one would be, well, maybe a couple. Let's do X Files and Ghostbusters. I don't think they're huge runs, right? They'd be a limited series or something. Yeah, I'm just looking. It's the one shot out of continuity issue. Uh, from wow, from February 2014. Wow. <laughs> um, X Files conspiracy guest characters include the Lone Gunman. All right. Um, and the vampire characters from the X-Files episode Bad Blood. <laughs> Interesting. It doesn't state that Mulder or Scully are in it, but I imagine so, unless they're just using the characters. Yeah, they got to they gotta so, include them. It's got to be an X-Files, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So well, that <laughs> that and re- so new Turtles and then revisiting old Turtles to see if how that one holds up. I'm actually yeah. really curious now for number three. Yeah, it's been, gosh, I don't think I've, seen it since the 90s to be honest i just remember like bits of like the final fight at the end and mm. um yeah mike yeah michael and obviously being uh smitten with that young lady but and um, <laughs> that's pretty much all i remember yeah um, right yeah um, yes that, that sounds that's a plan that sounds like fun we'll have to uh uh we'll have to do that i'll have to uh, grab a copy of turtles three yeah turtles this... in time though back in time i can't remember I think um, 
I kept I kept calling it that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was the game. It's just called it was just called Turtles Three. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. Which is you know, I was actually thinking about this the other day. I respect uh, like franchise movies that don't just go you know uh, uh, one, uh, two, uh, three. Like I like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like the fact that it was you know Batman Begins, The Dark Knight. But then I hate yeah. I hate the third title. I don't like the Dark Knight Rises because you're just the same fucking title from the previous movie. <laughs> it's just the, the word rises, which is so generic. Everyone does that shit all the time. Yeah. Something something rises. I'm like, come on, man! Like, <laughs> there's nothing epic about it. Stop putting the word rises into everything. It's. Uh, I remember when they announced like because. Batman, like, for example, Batman versus Superman, like, that was initially, because you had Man of Steel, and then it was supposed to be Man of Steel 2, but then they ended up, I mean, the whole title is Batman versus Superman, isn't it? It's all the other way around. The Dawn of Justice. It's, um, yes, but it isn't, sorry, it's not attributed to either person. It's, Mm. the, the title is Batman versus Superman, isn't it? And I used to think, what a cool like if that was what DC were going to do for their universe going forward, as opposed to abandoning maybe a concept of standalone characters in a film, but basically taking a story and just in each film, putting a different combination of characters together. Mm. Yeah. But that didn't happen. I wondered if that's what they were going to do, but uh, they didn't. Um, but I thought, oh, so that could be yeah, fun. But, they, no. they just didn't have a fucking plan. Like, they had the best characters you can have in mm. comics. How do you fuck up Batman or Superman, dude? The, yeah. It's been done so well. Like, just draw on the animated series, draw on the really good live-action films, you know, shit. The video games, like the Arkham Asylum games, like, they're pretty insane. There's so much yeah. cool Batman shit, especially the comics, obviously. Um, fuck, I guess we're touching on that. Oh. We do you want to touch on MCU? No, don't. No, let's not. Let's oh, well, not. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be here for another half an hour. Uh, no, that's not. I yeah, I know. I, it's, oh, I'd love to have an MCU conversation. It would be yeah, like, could, yeah, like, yeah. like a definitive phase four. <laughs> uh, the only reason I say well, that is it's children pick up to moments soon. We're out of phase four now, though. We're in phase five. I know. Yes, know. yes, exactly. But like a definitive <laughs> kind of how was phase four for you? And I know there is a glaring... Uh, concern which we spent two hours <laughs> discussing uh, but you know just the rest of it I thought well yeah that, that I would definitely be up for an MCU conversation I don't know I mean as well. I can just sum up that conversation now it's oh no it sucked like a baby goat okay hit, let me ask you in I'll, I'll, <laughs> like that you're visualizing a baby goat like sucking milk from a bottle what did you I have now yes <laughs> suck like I, a baby goat you know what I mean? What did you think of uh, Black Panther 2? <laughs> I, I didn't see it. I have no plans oh, to see wow. it. Oh, wow. No, man. I told you, I'm pretty much checked out of the MCU. Oh, you I'm are not, checked out. I'm barely maybe going to see Ant-Man 3, but that's turning out to be like shaping up to be a bit of a shit show as well. This is the problem with Marvel, and I'll touch on this briefly. Uh, what I've come to find out is that just way too much meddling in the post-production. So these directors okay. who are making their films that they want to make, they're getting butchered uh, with reshoots, reshoots, and reshoots. So the, if you even look at Ant-Man 3 and the uh, interviews with the actors, they're all going, oh, it kind of feels like we shot three different movies. <laughs> it's because they fucking did. <laughs> Same with Doctor Strange 2. They went back and changed everything. So all oh, these really? original visions that would have come out probably would have been a lot, lot better, like more Phase 2, 3 level of quality, but something's happened with with their fucking leadership under feige 
Like, this is totally him doing this shit. Um, the focus changed. And he actually came at it and admitted, oh, phase four was an experimental phase. We didn't actually have a, a connectivity. The stories weren't meant to connect like they usually. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> That's just code for you saying, yeah, we don't give a shit. <laughs> We're just kind of, yeah, just whatever. No, if it doesn't fit. Uh, anything then ah that's cool we chalk it up to an experimental phase but now phase five oh it's back back to the action but ant-man kicking off phase five was originally meant to be in phase four so it's just more of the same and that's that's what i'm hearing anyway it's just making me not want to say it well i would wholeheartedly recommend black panther 2 and i'd be yeah. very interested to know what you thought of it i i genuinely loved it um i yeah and i i i I'm fairly confident you'd enjoy it. Um, oh yeah, I'd be interested to know what you thought of it. How was Namor? Namor. It was excellent. Namor. I mean, I don't have a have a, an extensive uh, history with the character or anything like that, but with uh, him as a inverted commas baddie with motivations, etc., I it totally made sense to me. Uh, I thought he played him great. Um, he's a really mm. compelling character. Um, I thought Shuri, um, the Tisha Wright you know, from a actress perspective and a character perspective, obviously there's a, mm. a necessary elevation for her in both contexts. I thought she nailed it. I thought she did really, really great. I heard the tributes um, were quite beautiful though, to Chadwick and all. Yes, yeah. they do. They do them a, a few times uh, throughout really moving, just even just sometimes a, a minuscule kind of gesture that a character will make. There is this beautiful moment. I honestly, I get, I can feel like in my throat wells up um, when it's just in the very beginning, it's his funeral. Mm. Ah, right, and right. there is a moment where they have to step away from the casket, but Shuri is trying to remain stoic in this moment, but just sort of falls into herself a little bit and goes back to the casket and bursts into tears. And gee, it nails me every time. It's such a, it's a five second thing, but every time I see it, I'm like, Oh God. Me yeah. Shit. I um, mean, look, dumb. that film was going to have a heavy emotional yeah. element, regardless of whatever story was going to take place. So it's, I'm glad that that part actually was very well received uh, from yeah. everyone that I uh, saw or knew that saw it. Um, you know, they had their same criticisms that they have all the other Marvel films, but they said that that was well handled and very respectful. And mm. um, yeah, yeah. I'm just really. I, I, I really would love you to watch it. I, I, I thought it was genuinely excellent and gen- like the whole thing. And um, yeah, I'd be interested to know what you thought. I'm just, I'm just not a huge fan of the first Black Panther film, though. Like, I. I. You know, I think okay. we've touched on this. Like, as a film, it's okay, but I don't like the way they portrayed. Uh, T'Challa. I liked him better in Civil War. Yes, I agree. There was more mystique with the the character. I thought I I kind of dug that. He felt like a bit more of a. I hate to say it, but like he was just. I don't know. He was different. He was portrayed different. Mm-hmm. He wasn't tough. He wasn't battle hardened and, and and formidable. He was kind of like easily beaten by some random dude who just rocked up and and beat the shit out of him and threw him off a, uh, threw him off a waterfall. I'm like, come right. on, man. Like, <laughs> he was treated with so much more like gravitas in Civil yeah. War that I think it was just missing from his film, um, which was otherwise, you know, a, a decent film. Like, it, it, wasn't, mm. it wasn't my favorite MCU film, and it's pretty low on the list if I had to, like, rank it. Um, but I think it was... It was... Uh, it was treated more as a cultural moment too. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm, I'm pretty 
like obviously I'm pretty like separated from that and how that was received in the States. But that was really hyped up, I think, by a lot of the crowd, um, a lot of the MCU fans, uh, as something that that was theirs, you know, like I guess African American portion of the of the fans specifically. Mm. Um, but there was that element too. I think that made it a success. The soundtrack was pretty banging. Um, mm-hmm. I like the track that the weekend did on there with uh, Kendrick Lamar. Yeah, called yeah, yeah. "Pray for Me." I think. Yeah. I'm a big I'm a big fan of the weekend, by the way. I'm not sure yes, if I mentioned you are. this. Yeah, yeah. I think he's a fucking legend. And I think if you haven't listened to his entire discography, you are missing the fuck out. Right. Um But outside of that, yeah, I didn't like the way Black Panther was portrayed. I didn't like the really shitty CGI fight at the very end. It was just like a video game. It was all completely three D uh, all animated. Like they weren't there at all in that final fight. It's like I hate when movies do that mm. like it's kind of missing something like can you imagine if they made the live action TMNT film 1990 in yeah. tw- <laughs> well they kind of have right but if they make that film um, but everything's like CGI yeah. you know are you going to feel like a grit it, to- it was like I Am Legend wasn't it I think that film suffered because of that decision I think it, that they, the fact they didn't have actual whatever they were, vampire slash zombies. Um, yeah, they, they that's were right. They were CG'd, weren't they? So, yeah. And that, I think that took me out of it a little bit. Yeah. It's the value of the um, actual uh, puppeteering and effects, going yeah. to the actual trouble of doing that stuff. Yeah. It translates, but it's got to it's got to be relevant to your story too. It's got to make sense. Um, yeah, I think I mentioned already in Turtles 3, the, the quality of the costumes went down. It almost went down to the level of the next mutation costumes. Um, wow almost from my, my memory, but not as bad as the um, live stage show of that Turtles had. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was that called again? There was a, they had a tour, right? They had a band oh put together. Um, a band. Amazing. Uh, it was, yes, right. It was called the Out of Their Shells Tour 1990. Oh. Or it's called, they released an album called Coming Out of Their Shells. Really? I'm pretty sure I mentioned this one time on oh previous discussion. Did you say 1990? Yeah, same year as the movie. Um, wow. So we have songs titled, and I'm probably pretty sure I read this before, but Coming Out of Our Shells, that's the theme song. There's another song called Sing About It. Another one called Two Bin, performed by Michelangelo. Then, nice. That might be your favorite one then. Uh, <laughs> Skipping Stones, performed by Master Splinter. Uh, Walk Straight and No Treaties by Raphael. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Classic Raphael. No of course, treaties. of course. And Very then, good. Uh, Kawabunga, performed by Michelangelo. April's Ballad, performed by April. <laughs> Uh, Pizza Power, performed by all four turtles. Okay. <laughs> so, you should actually look this up on YouTube. It's pretty I, I'm hilarious. I'm undecided whether or not I will. Uh, um, if you want to completely, like, uh, not sleep at night and see, like, actual <laughs> horrific visions of your favorite turtles, right. then go for it. I've got... I'm not going to. No, you've, you've taught me out of it. That's It sounds awful. <laughs> it sounds awful. Here's um, a little snippet of their script uh what uh, that doesn't even make sense no don't worry 
This shit doesn't make <laughs> sense at all. But there's actual plot to the stage show as well. Um, from what I remember, yeah, Baxter Stockman is involved. Shredder shows up. Uh, oh, this is from memory. They've invented a de-harmonic harmonic convergence converter. or some, That's what they call it. Some kind of fucked up name like that. That actually takes music away from the world or something like that. They want to take wow. happiness away from the world. So they want to just delete music. And then it's up to the turtles to come up with their own songs and sing the songs to actually counteract that and keep music a thing. Some shit like that. Um, let me see. It says, The tour is generally lambasted for its terrible costumes and wafer-thin <laughs> plot. <laughs> um, the band featured Donnie on keys, Leo on bass, Mikey on guitar and lead vocals, and Raphael on drums, percussion, tenor, saxophone, and vocals. They're the band? Yeah, yeah they're actually in I costume. they had a band. No, no, they're the band. They're in costume oh and playing the instruments, or at least... Yeah, I think they're playing it live. But then the vocalists, I think, are different. So um, they might have other people voicing them. Right. Luther Vandross backstage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just fucking hilarious, man. So um, if you just see Google image that coming out of our shells, coming out of their shells, it's just horrific imagery, man. Like the costumes <laughs> are just... I'm looking at one now. They've just got this permanent fucking psycho smile on their faces and they're wearing really like um i don't know they look like village people kind of dressed like the village people a little bit you know as well they're trying to be like a little flamboyant stage wise Crazy. yeah worth looking into <laughs> well, a questionable statement but uh, yeah <laughs> no, i'll uh, yes i may do so um <laughs> Buddy, I, I always have like the best time with you, man. I really do. You've, um, so I really enjoyed the episode, and uh, yeah, thanks mm-hmm. as always for your time and your your yeah, uh, yes, your input, your research, and everything that you put into it, man. So thank you so much, dude. Nah, no, thank you, dude. Thank you for finding that comic, recommending it. I'm fucking glad I read it. It's uh, mm. timely. Like I said, it's very much in my wheelhouse. It's almost what I wrote for my book. I'm telling you, the journey yeah. is the same. The sentiments are the same. The depth of, of the lore and the storytelling is the same. It's like I needed to see that. So thank you. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Uh, I'll just press stop. And let me just check, make, make sure I download you. And I'm going to... You're going to download me? I'm going to download you, dude. Shit. It's like, <laughs> it's like that movie from the 80s all over again. What's that one? The one Forever in Electric Dreams. But that's the song. I think it was a movie too, wasn't it? Forever I, I in electric. Know. That's what your podcast is named after, isn't it? Yeah, but well, the song. Um, yeah, it's part of the movie. It was part of a movie soundtrack. I, I wasn't aware there was a movie. Yeah, Interesting. Uh, the I thought movie. I just had the song in my head. Uh, it's actually, um, yes, that's the song. And the film basically is a dude in the 80s. Um, he makes a computer that starts to get smarter and smarter. And then the computer starts chatting up a chick down the down the hall that they live in the apartment of and so he's like the chick like falls in love with the computer (laughs) something like that i've got to uh he's just lawnmower man nah (laughs) very much a more of um less menacing movie more of a uh, rom-com style uh let me see why doesn't it say Oh, okay, yep. So the film. 
uh, the film. The film is just called Electric Dreams. Oh my god! <laughs> no way. Hold on. Hold <laughs> the fucking phone. Guess who directed the movie Electric Dreams, Imran? It wouldn't be the director of Ninja Turtles, would it? Fucking A it is. Are you serious? No, oh, well, we're not recording. S- Shit. What? <laughs> Steve fucking Baron. What? Yeah. Wow. The fuck? He directed that and then T- TMNT was his next movie, 1990. And then he directed Coneheads in 93. Wow. Um, shit, he... Directed Superman from 1978? Oh, my God. I didn't know that. Wasn't that Richard Donner? Oh, he says uncredited. Oh, no, wait. He was... He did uncredited notes, but he directed... Uh, sorry, he directed Electric Dreams, definitely, and Coneheads and Turtles. He directed... Uh, okay, don't know any of these other ones. Holy shit. There you go. Wow. Wow. That's pretty oh, interesting. That's a perfect full circle moment. <laughs> I was going to say for you. Just yeah. missed. <laughs> Bloody hell. Oh, that's amazing. Wow. I love when shit like that, that happens. That is amazing. Yeah. Oh, I wish we were recording. <laughs> I actually did record this on my end as well. Do you want me to give you this part of it? Oh, wow. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I do it as yeah, just as backup. Anyway. Whenever I'm doing podcasts with people, I just to do it on my end as backup. Oh, wicked. Yeah, I'll add it. I'll, I'll uh, join. Redundancy, six, Imran. Redundancy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all about it. Uh, buddy, I have to shoot off. I have to go pick up a baby from school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully yours. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just go there with sweets and just call out, David, <laughs> and see who comes. <laughs> I don't know a David. Uh, yeah, different name every day. <laughs> Do you like turtles? Okay. <laughs> I like turtles. Yeah. I Come like with turtles. me, child. You're not doing anything nefarious soon. with them. You're just taking them no, and you're doing we're ninja. We're just watching the turtle videos. watching turtles and doing ninja practice. Yes, after. Yes. Yeah. yes. Yes. I, I'm, training to, I'm training an army for vengeance purposes. Exactly. Um, and uh, yes, but nothing untoward in any way. <laughs> <laughs> just the uh, slaughter of some person you want to take vengeance on you're going to train this kid to be a killing machine for the rest of his life they had it coming <laughs> yeah I mean that's not too bad right it's, it could, could be worse you know what I mean it could be so much worse <laughs> when you are stuffed in an old coffee can and then you see April's can oh, no. and you want to stuff no that's okay <laughs>